Hey, you're listening to Terrifying Travels, the podcast where two friends discuss true cr- a true crime story, a paranormal story in a new city every week. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Maddie. And where are we going today, Maddie? Today we are going to New York City, New York, the Big Apple. I was just there last month. Oh, I went when I was like nine. So okay. Like we've both been. We've both been. Oh, that's amazing. I couldn't recall if you had been there or not. Yes, I have family that lived there, so I remember we took a trip when I was, like, nine, and I visited, like, all the big places. If I, if I recall correctly, you did tell me you have family out there, because you kind of gave me a heads up. If things got weird while I was out there, yes. I could call them. But, yeah, so I have an update for you, though. Oh! And I thought I'd share it on the podcast, because yeah. a couple episodes, you use your magical powers to get me a copy of If I Did It by O.J. Simpson. Yes. And yes. I thought I'd give a little book review. Oh, yes! Yes. Okay, so I actually loved it. Oh, good. Yes. So I'm going to start with the review by pretending it's not a true story. Okay. Just looking at the book itself, I thought it was very well written. Uh, yes, I am aware it's an interesting story and you can't really screw up an interesting story, but it was kind of like a page turner. I could have sat down in an hour and I can easily sit down for hours at a time and just have read this book. Right. Uh, so in that way, it was a great book. Um, mm-hmm. Now, for the true facts of it, oh, I'm going to make uh, one of our wonderful musical references. <laughs> I was curious, how is he going to do this? And he quite literally just, it wasn't until I was washing my hands, I even knew they were dead. And yeah, he claims to have blacked out and woke up and realized the the two people were dead. Oh. Yeah. Because I was really It wasn't until I was washing the blood off of their hands, I even realized they were dead. Yes, because that's kind of how, that's quite literally how it went. He went to her house to confront her about something, and he just went into a rage and blacked out. Because uh, I, I thought, you know, is he going to completely pretend he wasn't there at all? And he's going to, he did bring up a couple other possible suspects. You know, she was hanging out with friends who were drug addicts and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of it, he just pretended, you know, he was, there. Were, the cops were called to their house a couple times for abuse. And so he would say, I don't remember ever putting a hand on Nicole. But if that's what she says, then it must have happened. Oh. Yeah, and it's so. Gaslighting. Gaslighting. Well, no, I don't even think it's necessarily gaslighting. I read it more as a, I am such a loving husband that if Nicole said I did it, I'll I'll just go with it. So that and he did actually at some point, you know, we were both very guilty, but I didn't want Nicole to get in trouble. So I just took the fall for it. Ooh. Yeah. And it was a lot of like, yeah, it was interesting. Although I was kind of sad The they ended at the police chase, the infamous yeah. police chase. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't as exciting as I had hoped at all. Um, apparently, he was genuinely planning on killing himself, and he was just waiting for them to push him or something. Oh. Yeah. But it was in the end, it was a good book, though. I still think he did it. Yeah. Like, you know, my dad was... My dad existed at the time. You and I were only, like... I don't even think we were two. I think it was 94, so we weren't even born yet. But my dad said... <laughs> The main reason he got off is because they were just off the Rodney King situation. Oh. 
and they needed to look good. Yeah. So putting a black man to prison, even though he totally fucking killed his ex-wife and a dude who I, I don't even think was her lover from what, from the book, he was literally just a waiter at a restaurant. Her mother forgot her glasses behind. So he was dropping it off at her house. They were friends, but it was nothing spicy. Oh, at least not in that moment. Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was, it was still a good read. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it up for a New York Times bestseller. The ghostwriter did a very good job. And even the ghostwriter, I saw a quote somewhere that he said, you know, if there were any lies in that book, they were just fed to me. I just wrote what I was told to write. Right. But it's still a good read. I'm actually going to try to airdrop it to my dad so he can read it. Nice. That'd be good. And then the other one I had to say was your St. Louis case. Yes. I really liked it, and I actually, I knew it, I, I knew of it, and I yeah. kind of regret not doing it, I'm glad you got to do it, because you did a great job doing it, but I regretted yeah. not doing it, I wanted something unique, so I went for the Gates yeah. of Hell, which I actually, you found them interesting, I honestly, compared to this to the mansion, I found them boring, <laughs> but I wanted something different, you don't get a right. gate to hell in every city, Right. but I do know the Cursed Lump Mansion, I thought that was very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, I've talked for quite a bit. Would you like to share us the top 10 things to do in New York before I do my facts today? Yeah, sure. We can start with that. And we can next, since we've both been there, we could both say where we've been. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Let's hop into <laughs> top 10 things to do in New York City. Number 10 is just the Manhattan skyline. Oh, we just do the whole Manhattan skyline, yeah. You just go see it, look at it, it's beautiful, it's great, just go take a look. Get it on a postcard. <laughs> you know what, I I know we talked about it last time, you haven't gotten to go to uh, Shanghai. I preferred the Shanghai skyline. Ooh, tea. Yeah. I just found, like, New York was beautiful, but their buildings were pretty... Um, well, I don't want to say bland because that sounds so rude, but the Oriental Pearl is a futuristic looking building. I love it. Yep. yep. And I was, I'm sure she's going to come up on your list, but I was actually really sad at how tiny the Statue of Liberty is. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she's small. I, I will hold comments because I'm sure she's on your list. Yeah, of course. Of course, of course. All right, number nine is... Broadway, the theater district. Ah, I loved the Broadway district. I really did. Did you see anything? Oh, God. Did I see anything? No, we couldn't get tickets in time, although my aunt was desperately trying to get me tickets for Les Mis because I had a CD player, one of those portable CD players. Yes. And I only had one CD, and it was the Les Mis soundtrack. And I used to, I used to carry that CD player with me everywhere I went and just listen to Les Mis on repeat. And my aunt knew this and she was like, I'm desperately trying to get us tickets, but it didn't work out. Oh, I love that though. Yeah. (laughs) I did get to see Chicago with Olivia Holt as Roxy, which I thought was really funny. She used to be a Disney star, star and now she's playing Roxy. Oh, wow. Yeah, but it was really good. 
Broadway is so nice. So nice, so nice. Number eight is the Brooklyn Bridge. Did you get to go? No, I didn't get to go to this one. I made it about a quarter of the way. Oh. I honestly, I preferred it walking up to it, um, but it's like architecture. Taking pictures of architecture is better from a distance. But honestly, when I got on, you know how I feel about crowds. Right. Uh, and I also think TikTok's going to be the, ru the ruin of society. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can respect, like, stopping to take a photo. Isaac and I have taken lots of photos. Um, although I found also when I went to Central Park, if you want to do a whole photo shoot, you better be there at 5 a.m. and not 5 p.m. Yeah. Uh, don't expect to hold up traffic for seven minutes while you walk up and down the stairs to get your perfect photo. But anyway, a quick photo is fine. But I just saw so many. It was crowded. And, like, there were so many people just taking, like, travel videos, TikToks and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, I'm trying to get past. And there's people doing a dance. There's someone else telling you how to get here. And it's like. Google it. We've been doing it for decades. You can get there on your own. You don't need to watch a video. Get out of my way. And I got, I didn't even get it, get to the first pillar. And I was like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> Which is sad because originally I planned on crossing it completely and getting to Brooklyn. Um, because I've seen, I'm sure we've all seen lots of photos of it from Dumbo, which I'm sure is correct. It just sounds really wrong. It's a beautiful view of it. I just couldn't, yeah. wasn't doing it, wasn't doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally couldn't see a way to get through that crowd, and I just, nope. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair, that's fair. Captain America will have to forgive me. Brooklyn is not worth it. <laughs> no sleep till Brooklyn. <laughs> I know that's a musical reference that I don't know. No, it's a Beastie Boys reference. East yes. Coast 1990s rap. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's also, and this is how I also know that, that was a Supernatural reference as well. Great. Love yes. That. Yeah, yes. they used to name all their episodes after music, and I'm sure No Sleep Till Brooklyn was in that, or something that oh. I watched recently. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, right. the next one, <laughs> as we go off track. <laughs> Number seven is... The symbol of America herself, the Statue of Liberty. I took the boat. I loved it. You didn't go, did yeah. you? I did. I did. Oh, you there. did. I think everyone else hasn't gone, and I loved it. It was great. She's great to go to. She's great. I loved to go the to boat ride. ride. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of boats. I get boat sick really easily. Yes. So I was just like holding on for dear life until we got there. <laughs> I have a hoodie because I forgot that it is cold as hell. If you're not actually in the Caribbean, the wind off the water is cold. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I was, like, really sad at how tiny she is. And it's also wild to think, though, when she was built, she would have been huge. Yeah. And yeah. you can... Yeah. Sorry, go. Yeah, when she was built, she was huge. And then the fact that she was copper before then... Well, she's still copper. She's just changed colors. She's still copper, but she's just ionized. But yeah. it's, just, it's just like, I can't picture her as orange. I can only picture her as green, you know? Yeah. Well, and like, if you watch from her, you can still see the buildings that would have been there when she was there. Mm -hmm. And so, like, comparatively, it's wild to think that, like, it wasn't even that long ago. 
Yeah. Like 1800. So like the mobsters I'm going to talk about, their parents probably came through Ellis Island. Yeah. Um, those buildings are all relatively, and like I like to think of the big thing, like 200 years is not that, and it's not been 200 years. But the buildings that have been built now just shrink her and watching her from a plane too, you have to, oh, oh, I think I see her. Okay, bye. Yeah. 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 I feel like we should, there should be a petition to update the Statue of Liberty. And just be like, we want her bigger and maybe a different color. Just put like a bunch of books underneath her so she can stand on that. Yes. Which you could, you could also, like I was joking, but also like if you genuinely put a book sculpture underneath her to stand on, she's, education is lifting her up. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Although U.S. education is shit, but moving on. (laughs) Yeah. But the other problem with that, too, is if you do that, then every country is going to start. Eiffel Tower is going to go put on a pair of stilettos. (laughs) Everyone's going to be competing. It'll start a whole new race. Yes. Yes. How high up can you elevate your old ass statues? That'll be great because they'll all start to fall over. Yes. 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 All right. Number six is the High Line, which is a park in Greenwich Village. Can I pause you for half a second? Yeah. Your Skype photo? You look like the Statue of Liberty. (laughs) You know where I took that? Uh, Was that when you went to Sanya? Sanya? Yeah, that's that's when I went to Sanya. (laughs) Sorry, the High Line, though. Oh, I do look like the Statue of Liberty. And now we got to post that, just so you know. Yes, that's right. Nobody's going to know what we're talking about. Yes. <laughs> but the High Line, did you go? No, I didn't go to this one. Greenwich Village is a little, I think, a little far to get to. Uh, like I said to you, I walked so fucking far in New York. Yeah. Like, my feet hurt so much, but I did do the highlight. Uh, honestly, it's kind of meh. Like, I was intis- I thought it was further out, and so I could see the Manhattan skyline of some kind. No, it's lovely. If you lived in New York, it would definitely be somewhere you and I would go for, like, go for a walk after brunch or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as a tourist, although it, it connects now, although the vessel probably wasn't there when you were there, it starts right, right where the vessel is. Oh. So I did the vessel, although while I was there, you couldn't go up the vessel, which was kind of sad, but whatever. And then I did the highlight, and then it took you, me. yeah, it ends at Greenwich Village. So I went from there right to Jimi Hendrix's studio. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I uh, mapped out my route pretty well. Nice. I never had to repeat anything. That's good. All right. Number five is Top of the Rock. I did not pay 40 bucks to go up a building. TripAdvisor is saying it's 50, so... Well, it's 50, and then it would have been 60 Canadian. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, that, that exchange rate was punching me in the face. It got to the point where, like, nah, I'm not paying for anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, yeah. if it's, like, an observation deck, I'm kind of like, eh, it's fine. I don't need that. Did you do it? No, I did not do Top of the Rack. No. How many other observation decks are on this list? Um, none. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number four is the 
Empire State Building. Which is also an observation deck. Well, yeah, but it's also <laughs> the building. But you go to the observation deck, yes. Number three is the Met, or the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I went and I sat on the steps for a second because XOXO Gossip Girl. Yes. yes. And that's literally it. I didn't even want to go in. I just wanted the steps. <laughs> it's expensive to go in. It's showing tickets at like $90. Yeah, fuck that. Although, the world's first nude is in there. Oh. A girl, I think I think she, I can't recall, I think she painted a picture of her own titties to send to her boyfriend. And they're Love in the Met. That. Love that. Yes. Or when we say send nudes and he just sends us a picture of what looks like a naked mole rat, remember, a girl once painted a picture of her own boobs. He can do better. He can do better. Don't compare it to a Gatorade bottle. Like, I don't, I don't get it. This is so off topic, but like, I don't get it. We take wonderful photos. If it's not the right angle, we're not sending it. And then he's just like pulls his pants up, takes a picture and puts them back down. No, put some effort into this, man. This is definitely an explicit podcast for a different <laughs> reason today. <laughs> well, I didn't get too nasty, but it's just, you know what, if you're listening to this, to be honest, you've probably re- received an unsolicited dick pic at some point. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. I would love to meet the girl who got that, who just got a notice that she got a picture, opened it, and it was some nasty, shrivelly thing, and she went, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my question every time. I'm like, what is your success rate with this? Yeah, <laughs> it's the same with Tinder pickup lines. He's like, no fat chicks allowed. And it's like, okay, yeah. ha- have you ever had a Victoria's Secret model be like, oh my God, I saw that and I knew you wanted me. Yeah, like, what is your success rate with this? Like, <laughs> We need to be able to comment, like just rate and comment on that stuff. That's what I've been saying. I'm like, there should be a different app where girls can pull up your Tinder bio and, like, look at the ratings that other girls have given you. Well, even, like, I'm genuinely thinking, like, I would love to help you. Yeah. Like, I'm hoping you're just misguided and you're not a shit human being. Uh, Let's fix this and maybe you can actually attract someone. Yeah, and, like... Honestly, dude, you don't need four group pictures, which I can't tell which one is you. You need a solo pic, even if it's just a selfie. <laughs> Do they know we have actually had gotten together in groups and be like, okay, I can't tell which one he is. Right? <laughs> like, we have had to screenshot and compare it on two different phones so that we could compare both photos at the same time and be right. like, okay. Because they look different in every one. Oh, this one, you got a beard in it? Well, it's a whole new person. Yeah. This one's from like six months ago and then the, from before you hit the gym. And then this one is when you hit the gym and lost a lot of weight. And like... or, or my favorite, though, is you've got a hat and sunglasses in every one. Yes. Or like you're skiing or something. And we yes. It's like I, your I, your yeah. I've seen profiles where there is not a single face in it. Right? Like what? Like... And you get mad at us for wearing makeup. Well, we can't even see your face. Yeah, dude, like... That is how some of us end up on dates with guys that have no teeth. Right. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'm just going to call myself out on that one. (laughs) Oh, okay. 
okay, let's wrap up these final two. And then, yes. Yes. All right. How did we even get on that topic? Oh, the, the nude at the I don't know, man. Alright, number two is the National 9-11 Memorial and Museum at the old spot where the North and South Towers stood. Yes, did you go? Um, oh, when I went, it wasn't built when I went. When did you go? I went when I was nine, so that would have been like 2005? Yeah, Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah, yeah. It wasn't built when I was there. I didn't go either. I just, um, I didn't want to. I'll just say that. I didn't want to. Um, Yeah, like, it's very emotional. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's really nice with the fire and the water and everything. And the number one thing to do in New York City is Central Park. Central Park's great. I like Central Park. They have a statue in Central Park of Balto, the, like, dog who ran across Alaska to get the children, like, the polio vaccine or something. Oh, good for him. I haven't heard of him. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I distinctly remember, like, taking pictures with this, like, dog statue I'd have to see if it's on my aunt's Facebook, because I'd have to send it to you. Well, you could post it. Yes, could could do. Now, would you like some fun facts about New York? Yes, I'm excited, because I bet these are kind of crazy. Well, I have nine. Uh, unfortunately, I like I was saying to you earlier, I kind of realized two minutes before we were recording that I forgot facts. So <laughs> I just grabbed nine facts. However, I think they're nine good facts. I don't think I'm wrong. That's good. So the original, the city's original name was New Amsterdam because it wasn't always English. The first pizzeria in the United States opened in New York in 1905. Oh. Which is when I realized I never had any pizza in New York. You never, you didn't have New York pizza? Nope. Oh, what? And you know what? I feel like New York is a city where I could have got a killer pizza with vegan cheese. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I didn't think of that at all. Oh, goodness. But like I said, like, I I went so hard that I kind of just stopped for food when I needed to stop. Yeah. So every restaurant was closest to me, and that is how I ended up having uh, really bad spaghetti in Little Italy. But (laughs) Oh. Really bland spaghetti, I should say. Yeah. Um, Just because they were the first restaurant that I stopped at. Oh. And I'm not going to lie, they got me with a cute guy. Yeah. Or the guy coming in, come in, beautiful woman, come in. And I was like, fuck yeah, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) So there are 800 languages spoken in New York. Oh, that's amazing. Which, by the way, while I was at that restaurant in Little Little Italy, I was talking to the guys. They spoke multiple languages. Would you like to know which language none of them spoke? What language Mm -hmm. do you think they didn't speak? Italian? Italian. (laughs) We have French, Spanish, German, Dutch. Oh, what about Italian? No, no, we don't know that. Oh, okay. Which is funny, though, because they all were putting on an accent. Yeah. 
Yep. So the oh. ice cream cone, pasta primavera, and eggs, ben eggs benedict were all invented in New York. Oh. Yes. That's cool. Here's my favorite. So New York City homeowners, which you and I will never be, nope. can request a tree to get planted outside their homes for free. Oh. Nice. Yeah, so if you can afford a house in New York City, you can get a tree for free. Oh my god, even just renting in New York is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh so there are over 1,600 pizza restaurants across the five bur burrows? Burrows. burrows. Yeah. Apparently none of which I almost passed out in front of an eight at. <laughs> The Statue of Liberty was delivered by the French in 350 pieces, with the last piece arriving nine years after the first one arrived. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. For the last 50 years, the price of a slice of pizza and a single subway ticket have been almost exactly the same. Economists call it the pizza principle. Oh. Yes. Which I think is... Probably a coincidence, but I like it. I like that. That's good. Okay, so now rather than having 10, I'm going to end at number nine. Uh, for Pride Month, New York is the birthplace of LGBTQ plus rights in the USA. Yeah. Yeah. With the uh, Stonewall, Stonewall riots. riots. Yes. Yeah. And I'm always surprised how many people don't know what that is at all. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember, you know. Pride, it's just, well, we just do it in June, and it's just for a chance for us to celebrate. It's like, no, actually, you're remembering what other people had to do to get to where you are now. Yeah, exactly. Because the first Pride Pride was a year after Stonewall commemorating the riots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which is, do you also know that that is connected to the Mafia as well? The Mafia? Well, that was all... Mob mafia, much like the angels, they kind of own everything. Whether or not they agree with it, if they can make money off of it, they'll own it. So all the gay bars were owned by the mafia. Oh. Um, and that was kind of what was happening is, you know, you're allowed to come to our bar and give us your money, but every once in a while we're going to come in here and make your life miserable. Oh. And I'm sure there was, a, there was a lot more to it. And, of course, everyone says, well, it was because Judy Garland died. And it was not because Judy Garland died. People no. were just particularly emotional. Yeah. And, of course, I say this, I wasn't there, so I don't know. But from everything I've read and heard, it was just many things on top of other things on top of other things. And the mafia decided to come on in and tough, rough up people, and people just wouldn't have it anymore. Yeah. So that was, the Stonewall was kind of set off by just a chain of shit, uh, shit treatment. Yeah. Which happens. You can only treat people terribly for so long. What a weird yeah. concept. What a weird concept. <laughs> Yes, so that is how I will end my uh, my facts about New York. Yay! <laughs> now we discussed, I'm going to go first, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to start. I was going to cover John Gotti. Um, <laughs> and you should, you, you know me well enough by now. Anyone listening probably knows me well enough by now. I like John Gotti only because I really liked his movie, which I genuinely do like the movie with John Travolta. I think it's a good movie. Um, I don't know why people don't like it, but I also like it because I kind of think the guy that plays his son is cute. 
So there's that too, which is funny because his son uh, hated the guy they had play him. Oh. Because he was from Montreal and he's Canadian. He couldn't get the accent right. And it's like, dude, it's a movie about how your dad was a bad person. Like, maybe you don't get too picky about who played you. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but anyway, uh, while I was telling my dad about this, he said I should actually cover Sammy the Bull Gravano. Okay. Because it's a story we probably don't know as well. Um, and he's the story of the first major New York mob snitch. Oh, okay. Okay. So let's see. Salvatore was born March 12th. Oh, actually, before we start this, I would like you to go into our messages. Oh. And I sent you a link. Okay. Can you click on that? So a friend of mine pointed out he is one of our... One of the only guys I've covered that are still alive. Oh. And she goes, oh, don't get into lawsuit territory. And I said, you know, we're just speculating wildly. And we're literally just pulling this from the internet. We're just combining all the articles we can find. However, Sammy the Bull, if you can pull up that website, he has his own website with a timeline of his crimes. What? Yes. Really? Yes, it is the most egotistical thing I have ever seen. Has, <gasps> yes. Oh my god. There is a timeline starting at his birth. It continues to school when he joined the military, his first hit when his daughters were born, as he goes through the mob, all of that. Um, and it like he blatantly says, where is it right here? Sammy's first hit in 1970. So I don't think I'm getting anywhere into lawsuit territory. I am just taking what the man himself has said. Very true. Very true. <laughs> I like 2020. I, Started a YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, well, don't no, don't say that. I've got all that coming up. Oh, okay, but, sorry. Yes, no, this man is kind of wild. Yeah. So I am aware that I did not get into all of it, especially now that I'm looking at this. Uh, maybe when we're done, we could just read out everything he thinks he's done. But, yeah, so I'm not coming close to lawsuit case. I am literally just reading what the man has put down, put out on paper. All right. Very so, nice. Salvatore was born March 12, 1945, in Brooklyn. And as I always ask, Maddie, where were you in 1945? <laughs> <laughs> um, nowhere. Not even a thought like no like I tried to think about it I don't know if I want to be anywhere in 1945 no no if I recall it wasn't a lovely place no it was not a lovely time uh so yeah the war was I think the war, war was happening it wasn't starting it was happening right 1945 yes 1945 yeah, yeah so I uh if you know what, if, with all my anxiety, if I was around in 1945, I am under the table with a bottle of no longer prohibited wine. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm probably getting harassed by some asshole who's calling me tuts or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I need that wine. He was born to two Italian parents, both born in Sicily, and had two older sisters. His father ran a dress factory, so was able to maintain a reasonable income for the family. Oddly, everyone thought Salvatore looked like his uncle Sam, so that is what they called him. There didn't seem to be a question about paternity or anything, though. That's just a comment everyone made. 
Sammy was a tough little kid and got the attention of mobsters early. His bike was stolen when he was 13, and when he went to go get it back, some made men watched, which I'm, I can't explain that term, I don't know, I think that means you're officially a mobster, watched him fight all the boys until he got his bike back. One of these men said he was like a little bull, gaining his mob name really early. Around this time, he joined the Rampers, which is not only a stupid name, but but apparently a prominent gang. Maddie, do you want to go join the Rampers with me? Nah, I'm good. It sounds no. like a it sounds like a skateboarding gang. Like See, it I like they're gonna go skateboarding. Yeah, well, I think of Pampers. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Which oh, I mean, that's like, very true. This was also like 80 years ago ish. Well, not quite. Yeah. He was born like 80 years ago ish. But like, so that name probably didn't exist at the time. But it's like, yeah, I just think of a child's diaper. Yeah. So yeah. as we see fairly often, Sammy was a terrible student, or he was dyslexic, and the teachers gave up on him. Whichever one you believe. Uh, he was often held. He was held back twice. And after punching teachers twice, he was sent to a school for difficult children. However, when he was 15, the school decided they didn't want him any longer. His father tried to redirect his behavior by forcing him to go to church, which unsurprisingly didn't work. And I always look at this specific part right here. He was dyslexic. Had he been given the attention they didn't have at the time, but we have now, uh, what would have happened? Yeah, exactly. Like... You know, people talk about how incredibly smart students, they act out in school because they're bored. And it's like, okay, but that also happens the other end. He's acting out because he's not getting the attention he needs. So he doesn't really see the point of being in school because he's also been held back twice. Yeah. Like, yeah, this was kind of done to him, at least yeah. in this area. Yeah, he's just a product of his environment. Yep. Um, well, that too, like I said, you know, mobsters were watching him at the age of like 13. Yeah. So in 1964, Sammy was enlisted into the army. During this time, he seemed to do really well. Unlike a lot of serial killers we hear about, whose time in the army is riddled with crime, Sammy worked as a cook and rose to corporal, and in two years, he was given an honorable discharge. Which I feel like is also a moment where his life could have taken a different turn. Yeah, that's really good. Good for him. Yeah, so had he given up, been given a proper education, and when he exited the army, he could have got a really respectable job. Yeah, true. But no. <laughs> the mafia had been present in Brooklyn for quite a while. Around 1968, Sammy got involved with the Profesi family, which would eventually be known as the Colombo family. Sammy joined the Cosa Nostra and started with armed robbery and larceny, which I always confused with arson but it's just pretty much basic it which is pretty much theft shortly he was running a poker club which he was part owner of and was loan sharking and racketeering sammy moved up so quickly that he is believed to be the first man to gain membership to casa nostra since 1957 when they stopped giving memberships he's just a real go-getter in 1970, Sammy committed his first murder, which we saw in his timeline. I'm not making this up and accusing anybody of anything. A man who was having an affair with the boss's wife. Although when Sammy tells it, he says that Joe, the dead guy, was plotting to kill him. He also notes that a Beatles song was playing at the time. Do by doing this, though, Sammy won some respect. 
It's horrible. But assuming he didn't know about the hit, Joe's son would later become, uh, would come to Sammy for mentorship, which just, no, that's not cool. But I assume that probably happened a fair amount. In 1971, Sammy married Deborah, oh Lord, Skibetta, whose brother he would later arrange to be murdered. Either either through his wife or his sisters, he would pick up multiple mafia family-in-laws. The couple had two children, a daughter who is on VH1's Mob Wives, and yeah, I watched that. And she also wrote a book called Mob Daughter, The Mafia, Sammy the Bull Gravano, and Me, which is a mouthful, but I will probably hunt it down and read it. Oh, that sounds so interesting. Yeah, well, did you ever watch Mob Wives or hear of Mob Wives? No, I didn't even know it was a show. Well, I don't think VH1, it's it's big, but within, like, clicks. Um, I remember watching it, but I was, like, 10 or 12 at the time. I have very little recollection of it, but I know I watched it. Everyone else was watching The Kardashians. I was watching Mob Wives. That makes sense. Yes. Well, Mob Wives and Fashion Police, because Joan Rivers is my queen. Yes. Yes. Um, and then he had a son who probably did something, but they never said anything about it. Fair enough. Actually, the only time we're going to hear about his son is when he gets arrested. Oh. Uh, actually, Wikipedia had me under the impression he had two daughters, so I don't know where the son came from. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. But as I was going through on another website, they keep using, like, his name's, like, Gerardo or something. Oh. Like, that's a horrible name for a girl. <laughs> So, the Mafia is run on gossip, apparently. Did you know that? Oh, it's just a whole ton. Yeah, it's a whole ton of gossip. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, in the early 70s, and prepare me, prepare yourself, there's a lot of names that repeat throughout this this um, whole story. Okay. Uh, there was a while there where I was just going to start calling them Dude 1 and Dude 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Ralph... Sparrow started to get concerned that Sammy was going to become a made man before his son would. This created a rivalry that led to the death of Ralph Ranga. Thank oh. God for unique class names. Yes. <laughs> so Ralph S. spread the rumor that Sammy was trying to pick up dead Ralph R.'s wife, which was a big no-no. Any mafia movie I've ever set seen says wives are off limits. Yes. Yes. So Ralph S. suggested that Sammy needs to die, which to me sounds pretty out there, but, like, if it's a big rule, don't sleep with dead people's wives. Don't sleep with dead people's wives. Yeah. However, Sammy was not sleeping with a dead person's wife. He insists that she was coming on to him, and and he was trying to get, yeah, he was trying to get him to, or her to go away, but, you know, whatever. However, here's where it gets crazy. Ralph S.'s own brother, Shorty S., believed Sammy, but suggested that it would be best for Sammy to move to the Gambino crime family, which is a name you should recognize, to avoid conflict. Okay. So that is where we start getting into the Gambino crime family, which is where Sammy's going to stay. Okay. Um, and if you also, do you know anything about New York crime, crime, crime families? Honestly, no. <laughs> okay, one day John Gotti will be head of the Gambino crime family. Gotcha. So that is this was a pretty big moment for him to move over here. Yeah. All because Ralph S. thought he could kill him by telling everyone he was sleeping with a dead man's wife. Yeah. Which is kind of sad that your own brother was like, nah, I don't believe you. 
Yeah, yeah, it's true as well. Uh, unless you're like so full of shit where he's like, oh, not this again. <laughs> so now with the Gambino crime family, um, Sammy took to Salvatore, which actually has the same name as Sammy's original name, Arello, for mentorship. Although he also took a construction job and possibly thought about leaving the crime life right now. However, more rumors spread. Okay. They spread that Sammy was responsible for a double murder and the trial would be costly, so he needed to stick to the thug life to pay it off. While the case was dismissed, it was too late. He quit the, his job and, in his own words, went on a, mur on a robbing rampage. He says that the arrest changed his life. He took up the crime life and never looked back. This robbing rampage impressed the Gambino family, and he was made a made man in 1976. Good job. I don't know every, de I don't want to detail every hit Sammy was involved in, although you can go to the website and just look at his timeline. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to put in some notable mentions, like how... Uh, he had an after-hours club, which I did talk about a little bit earlier. It was ransacked by some bikers, which during the, I don't know, I just used the word kerfuffle a couple times because I don't know what else to say. During the kerfuffle, Sammy broke his ankle, and oh. Sammy carried out his revenge while on crutches, which I think is kind of impressive. Okay. But then again, like, at the same time, if you're using a gun, like, you don't need a lot to pull the trigger right so he also granted them a man his last wish of taking off his shoes before he was killed oh what a, what a kind soul kind soul what a random last wish as well apparently yeah. his wife wanted him to do it oh yeah she like didn't want him to die with his shoes on or something interesting maybe a yeah. little super or something well that's what I was kind of thinking like you know if you're once you get home you take your shoes off because you're home you go you don't wear your shoes to bed so like dying with your shoes means you're out and about you didn't die a comfortable death yeah that's what I'm kind of thinking but mm, that was so fair. nice of him yeah okay. so over over time the Gambino family turned to more sophisticated crime rather than gambling and robberies Sammy transitioned smoothly and became a, quote, good earner for the family. In the 90s, concrete in New York was controlled by four or five families. Almost anything built at that time would have had to go through one of them, which, uh, which was often represented by Sammy, in order to get it built. So a lot of those buildings you see, Sammy kind of helped decide whether or not that was going to happen. I just think it's so funny that, like, yeah, these crime families were involved in everything, this was when Sammy met and John Gotti met. There was a kerfuffle within the, the Gambino crime family over money. Sammy threatened to kill the other man. Eventually, it was sorted out in a much less bloody way. And while Sammy's relationship with the boss man was weakened, the way he handled himself impressed Gotti. In 1983, three members of Gotti's crew, including his brother, were arrested for heroin trafficking. Castellano, who was the boss man, I think, prohibited, prohibited drug trafficking in the family. So he wanted the government surveillance tapes to prove it. And then he wanted the three men killed. Another dude, this is, this is where I just call them all dudes. Another dude was trying to stall when the FBI got involved and bugged Castellano's house. 
This led Gotti and his crew to decide to kill Castellano. When they approached Sammy, he held his opinion until he could consult with another dude, DeSisso. DeSicco? I don't like the word DeSicco. That doesn't sound right at all. Yeah, I'm just going to go with DeSicco because I don't know what else to say. Sammy and DeSicco were concerned that if Castellano went to prison, the people next in line would be not favorable. So killing him was the best idea. Sammy thought DeSicco would be the, ne- the best next boss, but DeSicco himself supported Gotti taking power. Sammy agreed, but him and DeSicco made a secret arrangement that in a year, if they weren't happy with Gotti, they would kill him. Uh, they had to get approval from the families, as this was definitely an unusual request. I mean, you don't normally kill the boss man. Um, so it was super not okay. They decided the best way to do it was to approach super influential individuals that would give them influence when they finally approached the family as a whole. In December 1985, the plan was carried out and Castellano was killed getting out of his car to go to dinner. Gotti was declared boss at a big meeting a month later. DeSicco was promoted to underboss and Sammy to capo. However, in April, DeSicco was, oh, I wrote licked, but he was definitely killed in a car bomb. The bomb was supposed to be revenge for Castellano's death, and Gotti was supposed to be in the car, but he had changed his plans last minute. Over the next few years, Sammy would become very close to Gotti, even assisting in running the family while Gotti was in prison. Is that Gotti was referred to as a Teflon Don. He went to prison for a few things, but charges just wouldn't stick. In 1990, Gotti, Sammy, and another dude were arrested after multiple shady conversations were caught on recording. They were charged and the whole heap of crimes with a whole heap of crimes and denied bail. These tapes also included audio of Gotti talking crap about Sammy. Gotti tried to make it better, but it was too late. Sammy was kind of disillusioned with the whole mob. He didn't see how he was getting out of this, so he decided that his best option was to flip. To quote Wikipedia, he was the first member of the hierarchy of a New York crime family to turn informer and the second confessed underboss in the history of American Mafia to do so after the Philadelphia crime family's Phil Leonetti. This led to Gotti being sentenced to life in prison where he later died, and Sammy had to serve five years, but he had already served four, so he only stayed in for another year. Not bad considering he confessed to a heap of murders. I read somewhere up to 19 murders. He only served one additional year after the sentence. That's pretty good. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Well, because he, uh, I don't know if Canada does it, but I know the United States does that time served rule, which I agree with. Yeah. Um, so I have, I know people at home who are in prison. They've been in prison for like eight years waiting for a sentence. Yeah. Um, and that's not okay. That count, that should count as your sent as part of your time served. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I do yeah. support that, but like man only got five years for that much. That's, that's insane. That's insane. And he's the original snitches get stitches. Um, Although, like, later on... any stitches. <laughs> well, well, um, it's interesting. But, like, okay. I'll, say, I'll say this later on. Like, he did try to live by the code. He probably lived by the code better than most of them. But he just, during this cri- uh, trial, he realized that they were willing to throw him under the bus. So yeah. Yeah, what is he true. actually getting out of this? Yeah. 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 So Sammy was I'll- released... Oh, sorry. Sorry, I just want to say, also, it's starting to thunderstorm where I'm at. So if I cut out because Wi-Fi or you hear thunder in the background, that's why. Okay, okay. Yeah. okay. Keep going. Hmm? 
So Sammy was released early and put into witness protection, but he only stayed for a year. And in 1995, he decided to leave and get famous instead, giving regular interviews. Do you think this is going to go? I mean, it seemed to have worked well for him, but I just don't know what he was thinking. In 1997, uh, he had a book written about himself called Underboss, where he explained what happened when he flipped. He said that he had lived by the code his whole life, but when he realized that Gotti was trying to set him up for the fall, he realized the whole thing was a sham, although I wrote shame, and there was no point living by a false code. My words, not his. Obviously, this wasn't a great idea, and his location was leaked, and a hit was put on him, uh, but I guess it didn't work because he's still here. Although Gotti, John Gotti's son, I just think it's John A. Gotti or John Gotti Jr., I think he goes by both, said that it was actually the other way around. Sammy was trying to set Gotti up. You know, in his words, how could it be the other way around if Gotti didn't know they were being recorded? Additionally, an important conversation on, rec on recording was brought up by multiple complaints being brought to Gotti on about Sammy being aggressive and trying to take over. So he thinks that this was actually Sammy trying to set his dad up. Um, yeah, okay. He wasn't, Sammy wasn't done with crime though. In 2000, Sammy and 40 other people, including his now ex-wife, his daughter Karen, and his son Gerard were arrested on drug charges. And I like later on he says he was trying not to, he was trying to keep his children out of the crime life. And now his kids are all being arrested for a family drug ring and it's like you weren't yeah. trying very hard yeah. additionally he was picked up on a wiretap again oh my god you think at some point you just be like no phone calls yeah no phone calls like I've we only, only talk like, in a park or something yeah because that was the other thing like you know if they're in your car or they're in your house or something then just we're only going to talk in a random location we've never been to before yeah but we've talked about it. My dad always says there's no such thing as a smart criminal. True. The next year, he pled guilty in both New York and Arizona. He received a 20-year and a 19-year sentence, respective, respectively, which he would serve together. And that doesn't make any sense to me, but, like, okay. In 2015, he requested to be released early, but was denied um, because he had a, quote, long-standing reputation for extreme violence. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't let him out either. I don't know if he's out now. That was, he received 20 years in 2020. So yeah, he would have got out just in time for COVID. Yay. Right, can you imagine waiting 20 years to get out of prison and you get out and the world goes into lockdown? Right. Oh my God. It'll be, exactly. honestly oh. though, like, yeah, to think about it too, you know, I, I kind of pity him because where do you go? Yeah. Uh, like in 2022, like you wouldn't have had time to get a job that might keep you. You wouldn't have a place to go. You'd have to hope your family takes you in. Like that would be really rough. Yeah. His son said in an interview that growing up, he struggled with people's expectations for him to be more like his father, i.e. violent. His daughter said that she had issues making friends when they moved from their original home to a more affluent, affluent neighborhood uh, because his they were making a lot. He was making a lot of money. Uh, yeah. Her friend's parents, who were all doctors and lawyers, didn't want her family around theirs. That's Sammy. Fair. Yeah, well, that's, you know, I, in one way you look at it like, well, that's, it's rude that she's a small child, but like, I get it. Yeah. 
like, can you imagine, you know, dad's got a hair trigger. If you guys have them over for a barbecue and someone steps on his shoe, then what? Yeah. Sammy said that he struggled as a dad as to how to deal with the situation because his first instinct was violence, but then he realized they weren't other mobsters. They were just dads trying to take care of their family. So he decided that the best thing to do was just to sell the house and move back to their original neighborhood. Hmm. Which is also kind of like, you look at that too, and it's like, yeah, he chose to move back to where people knew who he was and knew not to fuck with him. Yeah. So like, that's like, oh, well, that's good. That's also horrible, but yeah. Right. So for the first time, the person I'm covering is not only has an active Instagram, which yes, I am following, his bio calls him the dawn of social media, oh but he has a YouTube channel with 500,000 subscribers and a podcast called Our Thing. You know, that's really impressive. But, but it's also... Are... Wow. Yep, I will be listening. I don't expect much from the podcast, but I will be listening to it. There's oh also a God. documentary on Disney Plus called Truth and Lies, The Last Gangster. And I, oh. this is all really interesting, considering he thought Gotti was too focused on fame. Yeah. Because if you look at that website, that is, you can get merch. <laughs> there is a merch, ourthing.tv, and there is a merch for, merch webs, or apparel, signed collectibles, drinkware, accessories. Meet Sammy. I wonder if you could pay to meet him. You can get. I wonder if he's on a cameo. Possibly. So let's see what you can get. You can get mail-in autograph orders. You can get a mug shot. Oh, and that those orders were eighty bucks. You can get an autographed mug shot for one hundred and twenty-five bucks. I don't even know who Lily is, but you can get an I Love Lily pet bowl for fifty-five bucks. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> oh, you can get a blanket with his face on it. Uh, a jigsaw puzzle with him holding a gun at you, coasters, t-shirts, but it's just a bowl, signed baseballs, of course, that makes sense, wine tumblers, hoodies, mugs, like, oh, Christmas well, card, a Christmas card, you for your birthday. <laughs> a signed I, Christmas card, I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. <laughs> Like, some of this is so off. It must be nice. A gym bag. Yeah, sure. Uh, what an ego you must have. Oh, and I think possibly his art as well. Oh, you can get a picture of Al Capone signed by Sammy for 225 bucks. I see a wine tumbler, so. <laughs> like, I love it. I love it. But this is some of the dumbest shit I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, Sammy. But also, like, honestly, though, this doesn't surprise me at all. If Al Capone was alive, like, all of these guys thought so much of themselves, they'd all do this. Yeah, very true. They honestly would. <laughs> I like the coasters that say, what's the matter with you? Use a coaster. <laughs> <laughs> He's really leaning into, like, the Hollywood gangster persona. Well, like, the jigsaw puzzle, it's a picture of him, old, holding a gun. He had to have had a cameo in a movie, and that's where that's from. Yeah. But then again, I wouldn't put it past him to have posed for that. True. 
Now, I will upload a photo of his mugshot from the 90s, which is also you can also get autographed for 125 bucks, apparently. I just think it's interesting. If you look at that, he is in the same style of, like, greaser. He's got a leather jacket on, a T-shirt, and his hair combed back. He looks like he's in, like, the 50s, but it's from the 90s. He's, like, literally, like, stuck in time. He's stuck in, yes. like, his glory days. Well, and like I was saying, I think a lot of them were like that. They think yeah. they are Al Capone. Yeah. They think they are going to go, and he, he will. He absolutely will go down in history. The fact that, like, Sammy the Bull is a name I've known for quite a while. But, yeah, it's just a weird, there's a lot of psychology that goes into that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, so let me finish what I was saying. If you know who the son of Sam is, you would know that there are laws made, um, although I think they might they might not exist anymore, but there were laws preventing someone from writing a book and using about their crime and profiting off of it. Because um, David Ber- Berkowitz did that. He wrote a book and he made a ton of money and people were like, well, you're, you're, you're literally profiting off of your crime. Right. So Sam was sued after the release of his book. Um, by some of the by some of the families of his victims and they won. So all the royalties from those books went to him. Went to them. That's good. Just in case I was too chill and we started liking this guy, I'll end with an interview he gave to the Toronto Star where he said, It's more about making money, but the quality control of the people has been lost. They don't kill anymore. There's no bodies popping up. They don't kill nobody. How do you keep these guys in line? We were into everything in the 70s and 80s. Construction, jewelry, clothing, bakeries, all aspects of building, plus the usual shakedowns and shylocking. I don't even think they have hitmen now. Just in case you considered liking this guy. He misses the good old days of hitmen. (laughs) Ah, the good old days. (laughs) Which, uh, he's not wrong. They have gotten smarter about it. They have now kind of outsourced murders to street gangs. Right. So that is Sammy the Egotistical Bull. Wow. Amazing. amazing so amazing. I won't be watching his YouTube channel. I will download a handful of his podcasts. So I will get back to you. Not next time we record because we're recording an hour again. But yes. I do want to hear some of that. And yeah, I will go look through all his entire website. Yes. yes. It's just yes. like I really encourage people. Maybe I'll leave I'll stick it in our um Instagram post. Ooh, but yeah. definitely take a look at it. Okay. Now Maddie, you were saying you hit, you were doing something interesting rather than just a regular paranormal ca- uh, case. Yeah. Yeah. So I have something a little different today. Um so all right. So finding out about New York City ghost is actually pretty hard. Um you would think in the city that never sleeps and, like, all that stuff, there would be plenty of ghost stories, like, floating around, but there's just not. And also, I'm kind of not in the mood to cover that dark stuff. Like, it's just not the vibe right now. I'm very stressed with all this visa stuff. So, um, I wanted to keep it a little lighthearted. So, I have a game for us today, Sabrina. Oh, that's fun. Okay, so I thought a fun game to play would be that I tell you a New York City urban legend and you tell me if it's true or complete BS. 
It, complete BS as in you made it up or complete BS as in creepy, creepy pasta? Um, complete, complete BS as in it's just, there's, it's not based in facts. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. So do you want to give it a try? Totally. That sounds cool. And I'm assuming you'll give me a little bit of the backstory once I answer. Yes. Yes. yes oh, yes. so I'm going to get a ton of ghost cases for one. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have 10 legends and all of them are pretty lighthearted, but number five is kind of dark. So just a fair okay. warning. Um, all right. Well, I just so, made it a joke out of a major mafia hitman. So we're good. <laughs> yes. Yes. So legend number one, two words, sewer alligators. Two I've heard of this. I've heard of this. True. This is true. I have heard of this. Yes. So this legend has been around for a long time. The story goes that the city kids had a pet alligator in their apartment. But as the alligator got bigger and the kids lost interest in caring for it, the alligator was released into the New York City sewers. Now, the truth of the matter is that there have been sporadic sightings of the alligators in the sewers of New York. The most famous is from 1935, where eight, where an eight-foot alligator was pulled from the sewers in Harlem and promptly killed by a bunch of kids in the street. There is another A bunch story. of kids? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I guess we have some generations have fidget spinners. Some generations pull giant alligators out the sewer. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was another story in 1959 that a sewer superintendent went into the sewers and exterminated a whole colony of sewer alligators with rat poisoning. But this story was written by a folklorist who is known for a lot of hoaxes, so it's not entirely credible. Um, some variations of the story says that the alligators are blind or albino because they live in the sewers. And as recent as 2019, alligators have been rescued from the sewers of New York. <laughs> now, could they survive in the sewers? According to a scientist, unfortunately, no. The water is too cold and too toxic for the alligators, and they wouldn't survive very long, especially if only eating rats and raw sewage. They also say that the heavy rainfalls would flush out the alligators and they'd probably die from drowning with the New York heavy rains. Thanks for the downer. So, yeah. <laughs> but I have a lot of fun facts about these alligators. <laughs> okay. I would I would imagine though, like there probably are alligators that get lost, just randomly find their way up there. And so the ones they're pulling out are probably hadn't been down there very long. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's they're more like baby, like still in their baby phases. Um, and it's not just New York that this happens. This happens a lot in Florida. Well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> you also get alligators thrown through drive-through windows. Yeah. So. I always find it funny whenever I make a Florida man reference to an older person, especially older men. Well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? What do you mean by that? It's just so weird that this is such a part of internet culture that older people just have no idea about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what do you mean, Florida man? It's like, literally, Google it. It'll entertain you for a week. Google is free. Google is free. Yeah. So, some fun facts. 
This gator legend was the inspiration for the Teenage, Mut- teenage Mutant <laughs> Ninja Turtles. Yep. <laughs> In Manhattan, there is a holiday to this urban legend. <laughs> Every February 9th is Alligators in the Sewer Day in Manhattan. How do we celebrate this? What do we do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just a quasi-holiday. We need to make a list of all the holidays we discover, and we should actually just start celebrating them, you and me. Yes. <laughs> post a little notice. I have a post-it note, but I don't have a pen, so I'll write that later. Oh, yeah. In 2001, a small statue of an alligator coming out of a sewer was put in the 14th Street and 8th Avenue subway station. And it's very cute. <laughs> very I regret cute. not knowing about that before I went. I know. Oh. <laughs> like, oh. So... Last fun fact, it is actually illegal to buy, sell, or own an alligator in New York, but many people use the postal service loophole to get their gator, as they have, <laughs> as they can have one mailed to them, as the post- postal service can mail, quote, small, harmless, cold-blooded animals, unquote. Every year, there are many stories of postal workers having to deal with escaped baby alligators. <laughs> I'm so glad right now you're not looking at my face to the camera. Because doesn't it say, maybe this is just Canada, but aren't you not supposed to mail cash through the, the mail? But we can email, we can mail baby alligators. You can mail cash. Can you? Okay, I think it's discouraged because it, it, if it gets lost or something. Oh, I mean, like, relatives put cash in, like, birthday cards and stuff. Yeah, all the time. yeah, yeah. So, That's wild, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the wild. It's wild. The postal service is absolutely wild. I, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Okay, Progress. good to know. Yes. All right. Legend number two. Ready? Mm hmm. There is buried treasure on Liberty Island. True or BS? Well, I happen to know that they found a buried ship uh, after 9 11. Mm-hmm. Did you know about that? That was cool. I wanted to go find that. I didn't go find it. Treasure yeah. wouldn't surprise me. Although I feel like it'd be really busy, though. Nobody would be able to yeah. bury it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with true. Okay. This is true? Question mark? So, William, so Captain William Kidd was a famous Scottish captain who sailed for the British government in the 1690s and 1700s. He sailed around America and the West Indies to protect British interests in, the, in those areas from the French. He had a house in New York City, and he was often hunting for pirates in the Atlantic Sea. Unfortunately, the political climate in England changed, and Captain Kidd was denounced as a pirate and sent to trial. He was found guilty and was hanged in 1701. Now, Captain Kidd was known to bury his treasure whenever he got it. Outside of Liberty Island, Captain Kidd is said to have buried treasure on Oak Island in Nova Scotia, Long Island, also in New York, Charles Island in Connecticut, and Cocktanoa Island, also in Connecticut. There are also legends that he sunk treasure in the river in New Jersey. They did find some of the treasure during the 1700s on various islands kind of scattered around. 
but no one has claimed to find the treasure on Liberty Island. So, Sabrina, let's go get some shovels and let's get digging. <laughs> uh, I'm going to encourage we don't do that because the amount of money that has been sunk into Oak Island, they could have just bought their own treasure. True. Like, it True. is hilarious watching that. Actually, I happen to just, for the Oak Island, my dad's family is from that area. The rumor is the treasure has already been found. Yeah. Um, they said back when freed slaves were running from the United States to Canada, there was a man who suddenly got quite wealthy and that they mm. think that he found the treasure. Oh. And rather than telling everyone, he just lived a better life. That's fair. Which is probably the sensible way to do it. But yeah, no, I love watching these people. There's The TV show has been on for years now and they have like maybe found a couple coins. Last yeah, time was, they brought in the, it. they've connected it to the lost Ark or something. Yeah, yeah. And it, no, yeah. no, the, the, what are they? The Crusaders were not in Nova Scotia. They didn't even know about Nova Scotia. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I was about to say, there was a TV show about Oaks Island, but I couldn't remember the name of it or what exactly they were doing. It's literally that. just the secret of Oak Island or something, and they're desperately just dig digging holes all over that poor island. Oh, the poor island. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think anyone watches, although I know one guy who has a shirt for it. He's got merch, and I need to ask him about it someday. But I'm pretty sure everyone just watches it as a joke when they're waiting for the commercial of the actual show they're watching to end. Yeah, it's just one of those weird History Channel shows. Yep. Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Aliens. Okay, yes. the next one. Oh, well, I have a fun fact about this one. Oh, sorry. Yes. So there's an account that the, this treasure on Liberty Island is actually guarded by ghosts. So legend has it that two boys went to Liberty Island to dig up the treasure as they went to a psychic who told them where the treasure would be. As they dug in the supposed spot, they hit a skull. A spirit came out of the skull with a cut cutlass and chased the boys off the island. I kind of like it. That sounds like something out of a Scooby-Doo. Yeah, exactly. And last fun fact, in 1986, two men went to look for some of Captain Kidd's treasures on an island in Vietnam. They were convicted of illegally landing on the island and were arrested and in prison for 11 months with a $10,000 fine. Okay, that's a serious yeah. one. More reason not to yeah. do it. Yeah, so maybe you're probably right. Let's not go digging around for treasure. <laughs> Although it's the only way to get rich these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. These, honestly, it feels like that. Honestly. <laughs> All right, legend number three. There is an Empire State Building Bermuda Triangle. No. Or honestly, that's one of those ones where it's like, I want to say no, but like I could see, depending on where they draw it, that weird things happen. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Okay. So this is just a really weird story. Okay. I think there might be something there, but I'm, I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist if I go into like, it's the 5G, it's the 5G, man. <laughs> 
So, in 2008, drivers began to complain that anytime they were in a five-block radius of the Empire State Building, their cars would die and refuse to start again. Many drivers mm. said that it happened to them every single day. A manager of a towing service said, quote, we used to pick up these cars, take them a few blocks away, and they would start right back up again, unquote. The best guess as to what happened is that the radio signals from the broadcasting beacon on the building would disable the alarm setting on the cars and prevent them from starting. But, yeah, I could see that, actually. Yeah. But in 2013, this phenomena just stopped, even though nothing changed and the broadcast beacon was kept up. However, I'm going to question, nothing changed in the broadcast beacon, but what about the cars? My car right. was a 2003, and God, she could be a real bitch. If you looked at her the <laughs> wrong way, she just, no, nah, we're not driving today. Yep. Yeah. So was there something in, like you said, the security system that we no longer have? Yeah. Yeah. It was probably something like that, but I don't know. I don't know. 5G, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely the aliens again. Yeah, it's definitely the aliens. There's definitely a Bermuda Triangle in the five-block radius around the Empire State Building, for sure. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, the traffic there, just go around it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Don't even go near the Empire State Building. So yeah. avoid downtown if you can. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Three, four. Number four. There are super rats in New York City after Hurricane Sandy hit the city in 2012. I think I've heard of that. Yes. Although the rats I saw, truthfully, the rats I saw weren't that big. Mm-hmm. But I'm also, you, we have some pretty big rats and sand kits. Right. Yeah. Right. So but that's, think? I think that's true. I mean, like, it's not true, true, but I think the theory's true. Right. Right, right, right. So, this is BS. Oh. Now, of course, New York has rats. They estimate that there are two million rats that live in New York. Now, Hurricane Sandy hit the city in 2012, and supposedly the theory is that the hurricane wiped out all the weak rats that couldn't swim, leaving behind only the bigger and stronger rats in New York. This meant that future generations of these rats would be, well, super rats. <laughs> Darwinism, yeah. Yeah, there were many stories of people seeing more rats in the city and in their apartments after the hurricane, as, of course, the rats went more into the walls and higher up in the apartment complexes to escape the waters and the flooded sewer system. But scientists had say that strong rats, just as well as weak rats, died during Sandy. Yeah. So this is BS, as rats are just a normal part of New York City. And there are no super rats in New York. Maybe a subway rat or a pizza rat, but no sub, no super rats. A pizza rat? Have you the pizza rat? <laughs> you, oh my God. Are you talking about me? No. <laughs> no. No. There's a. There was a. Oh God. There was a video that went viral. Oh, this had to be like five years ago now. Of this rat. <laughs> carrying away an entire slice of pizza <laughs> and they called him super rat no not 
super rad. Pete's so rad. <laughs> and everyone was like, oh, like, oh me. me. <laughs> okay, I love that. I will find that. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So legend number five. This is a dark one. Okay. This is a dark one. So just keep that in mind. There is a boogeyman on Satin Island called Cropsy. Um, I feel like I've heard of that. Yes. This is true. So let me get into it. Okay. Now, is is the boogeyman real? No, but Cropsy very scarily came alive in the 1970s. So the legend of Cropsy was that he was a homicidal madman, an escaped mental patient with a hook for a hand. The legend was that he hunted for children and dragged them back to the tunnel system that was under the abandoned seafood Seaview Hospital. Does he happen to hang out at Lover's Lanes, too? Because he's fairly busy across the country. No, 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 no. This one is specifically just out in Oh, okay. Those are the other yeah. mental asylum patients that have a hook with for With the hand. hook with the hand yeah, yeah. that leads it on the... Yeah, yeah. I yeah, know yeah. that. Yep, yep, yep. There's just so many of them. It's hard to keep it straight sometimes. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So parents on Satin Island would tell their children this legend to keep them well-behaved and from going too far from home. And it was just honestly a harmless urban legend until Andre Rad entered the picture. Andre Rad worked at the Willowbrook State School on Satin Island, a school that was known to help children with mental disabilities. Now, this place in general was horrible. Children were subjected to sexual abuse and corporal punishment, and it was severely overcrowded. It was just an absolutely terrible location with no oversight, as as honestly a lot of these sanatoriums and mental asylums were at the time. But many people were not aware of the conditions of the school, as many kids that lived there were just abandoned by their parents. In 1972, there was a journalist that broke the story of the abuse at the school, and the school was closed down 15 years later. But during this time, when the school was open, Andre worked as a janitor at the school. In 1969, he was sentenced for attempting sexual assault of a nine-year-old. In 1972, he was linked in the disappearance of Jennifer Schwinger, a 12-year-old little girl with Down syndrome. A month later, they found her body in a shallow grave on the school grounds where Andre was homeless at the time and living at. Andre was charged with murder, but not put behind bars as there wasn't enough physical evidence to fully charge him with the murder. In 1983, he went to jail again for kidnapping a bus full of kids from the YMCA and drove them to the airport for some reason. I'm not sure. Police also said that they linked him to four other disappearances of Satin Island kids, where to this day, none of their bodies have been found. I'm happy to report that Andre Rad is in prison and serving out his sentences. 
He was eligible for parole in 2008, but more evidence came forward in um, 2004. Um, He won't be eligible for parole again until 2037, when he will be 93 years old at the time. So... And hopefully dead. Yeah. So... While Cropsy, the boogeyman of Staten Island, may not be real, Andre Rat and his horrific crimes were very, very, very real. And may he rot behind bars. And I don't normally say that, but fuck you if you harm kids, especially kids with mental disabilities. Like, like that's uh, not only, like, they're kids, they can't defend themselves, but now they're, like, additionally cannot defend themselves. Exactly, exactly. No, fuck that guy. Are you, are, are you done with this one? Can we move to six? Yes, let's, move, let's go to six. So, legend number six. There are people living in the subways and sewers in New York that are called mole people. <laughs> I love the mole people! <laughs> I don't know much about the mole people, but my brother, he, he jokes. We're not genuinely conspiracy people. We just think the funny ones are funny enough. The big scary ones are dangerous. Um, but he thinks he knows I'm not a lizard person because I have tattoos. Ta- lizard can't get tattoos. We don't know about our parents yet, though. <laughs> so there's that. Um, the mole people are just, I've heard it so many times. So there must be something behind it, but it's so stupid. There can't be anything behind it. But I'm going to go with yes, only because like it's one that we all know. Okay. Okay. So this is true and it's sad. Oh. This one. Also a little bit of a downer. Now, when we think mole people, we may think like science fiction or sci-fi characters or like lizard people like you brought up. But in actuality, mole people is just a really mean name as it's a nickname for the homeless people of New York and and other cities like LA and Las Vegas these homeless people do live in the flood tunnels and the different subways in these cities. Um, They can also be called tunnel people or tunnel dwellers. Um, These rumors in New York started in the 1800s when the New York subway started to get built. Um, Today, funding has been increased to close off the abandoned tunnels, but there are still plenty of homeless people that live in the tunnels of New York, but they're not mole people they're just people um i really recommend watching the documentary dark days from 2000 because uh, it really details these people's lives and the tunnels and like how they survive and stuff see and i always hate when it's like something mean like that because i think names like that are cute right like i there's that post there's that TikTok where she referred to the lgbt I can't remember the whole alphabet letter, but she goes, the Ligibitaqua. And I'm like, I love the Ligibitaqua. But then I'm always afraid, well, shit, what if that becomes offensive one day? I mean it as like, I think it's fun. Like the Alphabet Mafia, I also think that's a fun one. Yeah. And so like, I always check first, like this isn't offensive. It's cute, correct? Correct, right. Because like, I think, you know, the mole people, I I get it. They live in the tunnel. They live underground. as, as a child, I probably would have called them that because it made me feel better than calling them homeless. Right. But then you know it was used as in, the mole people walked by me today. Yeah. 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 
So yeah. I think I, I think like also that. like a lot of people just think about the sci-fi of it or like because it's it's been in Marvel comics or in like even in um the end of the Incredibles movie. I was gonna say the Molinator. Yeah, the Molinator like comes out of the ground. And it's like the Mole people shall rise up and stuff, and it's like we don't know the actual origins of these words sometimes. So I'd like to clarify that when I said I love the, the mole people, I meant I love the molinator. I like the concept of a cute little <laughs> dude with a mole face. Right. I don't I don't support homelessness. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Okay. okay. Legend number seven. Dropping a penny from the Empire State Building could be deadly and potentially kill someone. Truth no. or BS? The Mythbusters disproved that. Yes, they did. This is BS. Buster did not get busted. Yeah, the Mythbusters busted this urban legend in 2003. Um, God, that was 20 years ago? Yeah, yeah. I don't like this podcast anymore. (laughs) There's been a few times where I've referred to like 2011 as like over a decade ago. And now the Mythbusters Mm -hmm. did that 20 years ago. My brother has that on DVD. Yep. Yeah. Ooh, I feel old. Oh. Gross. Oh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. carry on. I hope someone drops a penny on my head now. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, this urban legend was just started so kids don't go throwing stuff from buildings. That so, I completely understand, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, legend number eight. There are sightings of ghost ships in the Houston River. Houston or Hudson? Hudson. Sorry. Wait. Hudson. Oh, my God. It says Houston in my notes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's okay. My notes are a mess, too. I just wanted to make sure that this was the same river. Um, I'm going to go with, yeah, that makes sense. This is true? Question mark? Question mark? So, of course, New York is a port city, and especially in the days of old, there were ships that came and went and everything. Now, for a ghost ship, the ship is said to be seen on foggy days in the Hudson River and to be at full mass. It's meant to be a warning not to go in the water that day. Yes, okay, I like that. Yeah. They say the ship is maybe the ship of Henry Hudson's Half Moon, which ran aground a little further up the river. These ghost ship sightings have gone all the way back to 1894. And in those days, it was said that you could hear the captain giving orders in Dutch. Oh, yeah. Maybe true. Maybe not. I don't know with with, with these ghost ones. Um, (laughs) Well, it also depends on what you believe as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Number nine little baseball knowledge for you. The Yankees got new baseball uniforms to be more slimming for Babe Ruth. Yes. I know that. I just watched the Babe Babe Ruth movie. (laughs) (laughs) What a coincidence. I walked in on my dad watching that. I didn't realize how big he was or how drunk he was. But I totally believe that. Yes. Okay. All right. So this is Yes. I was so worried you were going to say false after I so confidently said yes. <laughs> yeah, this this is this is BS. Um so Babe Ruth 
the iconic baseball player, and I think literally the only baseball player I know. Um, yeah. I, I For some reason, I always thought he was black. He was white. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he played for the New York Yankees in the 1920s and 1930s. The great baseball player gained some weight, so the rumor began that the New York uh, Yankees switched to its pinstripes to make Babe Ruth look slimmer. However, the truth of the matter is, is that the pinstripes were made permanent in 1915 when there was an owner change and the owner preferred the pinstripe look. And the Yankees, to this day, still wear the pinstripe uniforms. Well, also, isn't it uh, pinstripes would make you look larger because there'd be lines up and down. I think it's a cross that is better. Just don't do lines yeah. in general. Yeah, no, don't do lines in general. Yes. God damn, I was so confident. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. Our last one is going to be very wholesome. We're going to like this one. So legend. Okay, go for it. There are ice skater ghosts in Central Park. You know what? I am firm. I firmly believe that putting knives on your feet and going for a skate is definitely how you die. Like I just have this theory that I'll trip and someone will skate over my throat. So yes, there are ghosts. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, there it is. The, the two ghosts are said to be sisters, Rosetta and Janet Vandervoort. And they are two members of a wealthy New York family that lived in the south side of Central Park in the 1880s. The girls had helicopter parents and were required to stay close to the home. However, they could go to Central Park and the girls frequently went there and they often went ice skating in the winter. Both of these sisters were very close and they actually never married, both of them dying within months of each other as spinsters. Aww. They are... Yeah, they are said to be seen around the pond of Central Park, the one on the southeast side around 59th Street, ice skating in Victorian purple and red outfits. I think Rosetta will be in the red outfit and Janet will be in the purple outfit. They are also seen in the summertime just scrolling through the park. Supposedly, they were first spotted around the time of World War I, and they are very friendly ghosts, although they are said to maybe figure skate through you on the pond. Well, if I wasn't going to fall already, that's definitely how I'll fall. Right. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. And they died of natural causes, too, which is nice. Yes. Yeah. I was a little worried, but we're good. Yeah, no. Oh, ending on a wholesome note, those are the 10 most common urban legends in New York City. Now you know if they are true or not, and if a New Yorker tells you about them, you can call them out on their BS. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'd encourage that. <laughs> you don't call anyone out on their own hometown BS. Just not, not a move on. True. True. Okay. Well, I'm actually really excited for our next location. Maddie, where are we going? Mm -hmm. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you for flying with us today. Join us next time as we prepare your flight to New Orleans, Louisiana, our season finale. And Maddie, we are recording right after this one. Maddie did that specifically so that I can't actually just go to New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have time to get there before we record. Okay, you'll hear from us in a week. Maddie and I will hear from each other again in like two minutes.
Yes. Be sure to comment and share wherever you find your podcast. It's a great way to help us out. Thanks for listening and stay terrified. Bye. Bye.